Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. Today, we have a very special guest, Miss Jillian Godsill. She is the founder and chief executive officer of Block Leaders, and she has written a book as well entitled Persons of Interest. Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you indeed for having me, and sorry for trying to upset the apple cart earlier by coming on your show in our early these time zones very pesky things aren't they <laughs> they are pesky they are uh so first question to kick things off what is your background and how does it relate directly to today's conversation regarding a very hot topic non-fungible tokens well obviously i'm a hot person <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> I'm very flippant. My background is I have 30 years of fintech experience. So I have worked. My first job was with JP Morgan in London. And then I worked there for three years, whatever, worked in Australia. And then I worked in Singapore in fintech, although it was called advanced technology back in those days, because it was the dark ages. And then I came back to Ireland and I worked in for a software company, a very famous one, Irish one that floated on NASDAQ. And then um my life kind of set up for a bit, so it's all, it's all grand and dandy. So I'm all doing all this fintech stuff, right? And then um, I hit divorce and recession at the same time, which wasn't planned. And may I say to your listeners, never go through divorce during a recession. It's bad timing. And it, I think it went a bit belly up. And, you know, the banks repossessed my home and there were bailiffs and there's all the crazy stuff. And I became very activated and um, I changed the law because I was a ranting anti-banker you know, let's be the world has to be a better place than this. Uh, so I changed the law because um, as a banker, I wasn't allowed to run for public office. So it's all kind of old fashioned law I was challenging and stuff and, and old fashioned attitudes towards financial failure. And then um, I ran in the 2014 European parliamentary elections as an independent. And I got 11,500 votes of which I am so proud, not enough to get elected, but enough to make a difference. And then my life ended. Then it all went quiet. I thought, okay, that's me, me done. I've done my moment in the sun. I've had my career. I have my children. You know, that's it. And then about a year later, I met blockchain. I went, oh, now I know how I can change the world and make the world a better place and do all those things, ambitions that I had throughout my career that didn't never really sort of took off. I remember I did the, the dot-com stuff. I was right in the middle of that, and I loved it. And it was clever because it was innovation. It was re rethinking stuff. But it was all about the money. It really wasn't about the thing you know the thing that blockchain does that democratizing opportunity and access and stuff like that so as I, when i did hit blockchain i went this makes sense so i chucked myself in the deep end literally <laughs> literally i remember uh, simon cocking who is of course the editor of the itn group and the man who's brought us together today simon sent me off to kiev to chair actually uh, a blockchain uh, fashion on the blockchain conference I knew so little about blockchain. <laughs> and there I was going to Kiev. Oh boy, I, I read a lot on, on that plane on the way over. Um, and it's been crazy ever since. It's been amazing ever since. And then as we know now, 
um, NFTs, which is the thing that we're talking about, it's it's kind of like the next the next progression. There's so many different progressions in blockchain. There's ICOs, there's DeFi, and now there's NFTs. And NFTs have been around for a while, but they're just coming into their own now, and they are being very, very powerful in upsetting apple carts, basically. So I like to conduct an NFT 101 because I'm really in the dark. You know, I know that it's being used for art, but I really don't know much about it at all. So um, let's ask first, what are what are non-fungible tokens? Do you know, in some ways, it's almost easier to ask what are fungible tokens rather than non-fungible. Most of the earth of the world is non-fungible. You and I are non-fungible. You can't divide us in half. We're not equally swappable. But something like a fungible token is... Uh, money, for example, money is a very good example of a fungible token because if I have a dollar and you have a dollar, we can swap them. Or I can even break down the dollar into coins and we can still swap the same value. But non-fungible tokens are things that can't be swapped like for like. So it basically is unique, unique entities. And the problem before blockchain is that it's very hard to have a unique and solitary or number of solitary items on digital formats because they can be copied and shared and emailed all over the place. So I may email you a picture of something or email you a picture of a check uh, with you know money in it, but not really because I emailed it to somebody else or, you know, so blockchain has allowed that uniqueness. So we can, the things we, what we know in real life, you know, if, if, if there's a tree in your garden, there's not another tree like it, um, we can now duplicate in the digital world. So we can actually say this is only one or, or a number of ones if you want to have multiple authenticated copies. So it's quite clever, really. It's, it's bringing the real world into the, the uh, digital world. So like I can take a penny, it's a basic unit of currency in the US dollar, the penny, and I could throw it into the fish pond and I can make a wish, right? So, and then hopefully that wish will come true. But how, how do these, you know, how do these non-fungible tokens work, actually? Okay. First of all, I thought you'd use cents, not pennies. Do you call the coins pennies, but the currency is cent? Yeah, the currency is called cent. Uh, the actual, the actual physical, it's, it's called a penny. And, okay. You know, no, it's true. It's like a the... Yeah, a nickel. I know a nickel. Okay. Nickel. Yep. So. I'm sorry, I've gone past your question. How do you? What is the question? How do they? How do they? How do they, how do they work? Okay. Basically. Um, basically, what it is is the blockchain as a technology um, is very powerful and it's immutable. And what you can do on the blockchain is you can literally mint something. And when you mint something, you say, "I'm minting this coaster here, and it is the unique." unique coaster and i own it and guess what it went onto the blockchain at this time i'm the author i'm the owner and if i wanted to sell it for example or wanted to exchange it we can share it around but you can follow because the blockchain preserves the provenance of what a thing is we can follow this little coaster around the world if it's so traveled okay you know i'm looking at i was looking to like where can i buy them and in, in, in the U.S., we have some exchanges. We have Gemini. We have Coinbase. None of them you can buy a, an NFT token, not fungible token on. So, is there special exchanges or to buy it? How do I? Oh, get yeah, one? because NFTs are not cryptocurrency. They're an asset. They're a crypto asset, if you like, because they are created through cryptography, making them unique. But they're not. They're not a, a coin. So you're not going to see them exchanged as tokens on, a, on an exchange, or not yet, anyway. Um, but they're an asset. So if you want to buy them, there are many uh, platforms that have sprung up. Um, there's OpenSea, there's a Wax platform. There's many of them where people are 
creating uh, their NFTs and selling them or sharing them. Sometimes if you have an NFT, you can get airdrop, the whole airdrop notion within the crypto world. You can get um, cards and NFTs sent to you. And in fact, I sold my first NFT a little while ago, about a, mm, two weeks ago, and it was a tweet. And you remember how um, Jack Dorsey sold his tweet for like, what was it, six million in the end? Yeah, I heard of that. Yeah, founder of Twitter, he sold his tweet, and it was the first tweet that he wrote. Um, I sold my tweet, and it was a tweet, a recent tweet that I'd written, and I got $10 for it. <laughs> but but I, I did sell it to a friend bought it. So that's called insider trading, I think, or something. But it was kind of fun. I went, yay, I sold my first NFT. Could it be valuable in the future? Who knows? Who knows? Not probably not. Right. So I saw that that musical artist uh Lau uh music. And I know the NFTs are used, you know, for art and, and gaming. How else can we use it in our daily lives? Because it seems like you can do a lot of things with it. Well, I want to go back to the music one, if you don't mind, which is really interesting. Art, you know, um, and, and it, the NFT is particularly interesting at this stage for artists, although you're right, the, the daily life, I'll come back to that in a minute. But if you are an artist, typically, how do you make your money? Um, back in the old days, when it sold your CDs, whatever you had, your vinyl, your uh, LPs, whatever. Uh, but a modern artist tends to make their money through touring, um, and merchandising, whatever, um, and then streaming. But of course, streaming is not great for artists because they make a fraction of the amount. They really, you have to be a really big, big, big name to make any money from your streaming. You could have millions of people downloading your, your, your music and nobody, you get like pence for it. It's, it's ridiculous. And why does streaming work? Because it's convenient. So if, I, if you and I want to buy music, of course, we're going to buy streaming music because it's not very expensive and it's convenient. And, you know, we, we're, we know the money goes back to the artists originally. We don't pay so much attention to the fact that so little of it goes back, right? But we do it because typically we're, most people are law-abiding and they don't want to don't buy pirate copies because at least the streaming is legal. But in actual fact, what uh, companies like uh, Spotify have done is that they have basically eviscerated musicians because they don't make any money from it and they don't see the same, they don't get this, the value to the downloads, to the money that they earn. So the thing with NFTs, and this is proven recently by the Kings of Leon when they announced their eighth album, and their eighth album, apparently from people in the know, it's, yeah, it's an okay album. You know, if you're a fan, it's a fan. It's not groundbreaking, except they did it as an NFT. They kind of did a quirky thing where when you buy it, you also buy, they will also ship you off a vinyl. So they, they still attach the physical aspect to it. But the NFT, they did a finite number or was it a finite auction time? I'm not quite sure which way it worked. But I do know that uh, Kings of Leon will take the majority of that money. As it happens, they're giving most of it to a charity, to uh uh, groupies and, and roadies and everything, not groupies, are roadies who are not making any money in the non-gig economy. I don't know about the groupies, but the roadies need the money. And, um, but, but the majority of the income from that sale goes to the artist. So that's why you mentioned Blau. It's really, really interesting because actually the money goes to the art where it should be because that, that would be creating it. And then ordinary people, what do you see? This is where it gets us exciting because an NFT can be anything. An NFT can be an access point. You can sell an NFT. Say you're running a club in London, and you want to sell, a, a, you know, a ticket. You know, you can sell an NFT ticket. And the nice thing about an NFT ticket, it's not. Yes, you can you can do an, a, a digital ticket, and you hope no one scams it or creates it, or maybe there's different ways you can authenticate it so it's not being duplicated and counterfeited. Just to say, you use an NFT. The beauty of that is that. So the person uses that ticket to gain access to the club, but maybe also there's other things because it's an NFT in your wallet. They can send you drop. Maybe they, they has a roving photographer that night 
and they take photographs and you maybe get your shot done with someone famous at this entrance or they can send you that afterwards because you they have their nft so it's not like if you buy a ticket a digital ticket to go to an event that's it um but if you have an nft the club or the or the client or the the artist who's there can send you stuff afterwards so say i'm a dj up and coming in a, in a club and you come with your nft so you're there so i can also just even send you photographs of me from the night and you go i was there i saw jill doing her dj stuff you know and so you're creating a bond between them so this and it's nfts can be and it's just it's just a unique thing so it's a unique digital item and the the there are so many uses coming forward oh here's another good one upland are you following uh, metaverses metaverses are parallel universes in the digital world yes. and you might say why you know and i'm some somebody recently said oh yeah elon musk he wants to go to mars that's cool let him on takes a lot of money most of us will never get to mars right most of our children are i won't get to mars but what about if we could go to a metaverse as in this physical entity and really enjoy it and it's becoming much more lifelike and interesting to have friends i'm not saying you know don't go out into the nature and breathe the, the lovely air and look at the flowers and the trees but maybe go off for a bit of fun and your life on mars on on the metaverse and with the upland uh, project they are mapping their world to the real world and all the houses all the properties in that metaverse are nfts and as i was speaking to the the founder recently one of the founders Edan zuckerman and he was saying what exemplifies an nft more than a house because every every property is unique we know that whether even if you build one property in a tower block of hundreds of of, of uh, properties you know your number 47 is unique you know that so um so nft can be anything anything digital wow you know you, you mentioned mentioned the the fan base and the clubs i i I guess I'm grateful that I that I grew up in my club days was in the 1990s before anything was you know before any iPhone or any pictures or anything so <laughs> I'm, I have a level of gratitude for that <laughs> but Me I too. know that yeah, <laughs> I, I know that um, Decentraland and Mana and you know those tokens like that are, are you know, people who can buy parcels of land online um, so in addition to land and art gaming fan base I guess you can use it for anything in the daily in the daily can you use it for anything mm. yeah absolutely and it, it's only we're only limited by our, our imaginations by our imaginations and by the demand so you need to it's not enough to have an idea you want someone else to buy into it and uh, then then you're off but it's exciting because anyone listening to this then go oh, i have an idea you know, and, do you know what i think is really exciting about, about the metaverse world because when i was interviewing um the founder idan i was saying oh I wouldn't mind having a bookshop or an art gallery in a metaverse. You know, I'm not going to have one here, but maybe I could have one in a metaverse. Wouldn't that be fun? And hang out there, you know, I don't know, Mondays and Tuesdays. And and I can, oh, I can be as beautiful as I want to be as well. Another nice thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can choose my avatar. Ooh, I can be, I don't know who who my idol is, but I, I could be that and swan around my bookshop. Be fun. And And talking about fun, you know, there is definitely a mania going on in the market right now. You know, some comparisons have been made, you know, to Bitcoin and tulip mania, while others have called NFTs pure money laundering. Realistically, what do you think is causing the NFT market to really explode now? And how legitimate are these NFTs because there have been accusations about money laundering involved? Yeah, and actually, with the that big famous one in Christie's, 
there have been lots of articles written about it, and allegedly there are the source of funds for the final purchaser was was it's for a different purpose. So there's a lot of moving parts that we don't know about what, what's happening with the, it's such big money. I mean, it is crazy. But then people spend a lot of money on Van Goghs and Van Goghs, um, you know, and other art and Picassos and stuff. So um, is it a bubble? I don't think so. It, what's interesting for me is that, um, well, for artists, first off, I think it's amazing. That's a lot of fun. You can do something, especially in lockdown and sell it. That's amazing. Um, and then for people who want to get into this, you know, it, it's, I was listening to an, an interview, a talk by Andreas Antonopoulos, who's like original Bitcoin man, talking about, you know, is it is it too late to buy Bitcoin? Because one Bitcoin is, what, $50,000, $60,000, whatever, wherever we are on any particular day. So for most people, it's, it's to buy a Bitcoin is too expensive. And they were talking about buying, well, don't buy one, just buy your 50 euros worth of whatever it is and just put it away in your children's education, whatever. They're just so, suggesting that. But for people who don't want to buy like a bit, a tiny bit of a coin, why not? Why not buy an NFT? That's kind of exciting. And then why would you buy an NFT, maybe a piece of art or, well, if you're a gamer, you know why, because you buy all those skins and you buy all those those tools and those things make you stronger, faster, clever or whatever in your game. But if it's just a piece of art, something else, people say, well, why would you bother doing that? But then you turn that around. How much of our day is spent online? Again, I'm not, I love the outside. I'm just back from a walk in the beautiful Wicklow countryside. It's sunny here. It's spring. The daffs are up. It's beautiful. But we spend so much of our time online. Why not have beautiful things online? So that's how people are buying NFTs because they can. You said that word with the starts with a W and ends with a K. It's a four-letter word, W-A-L-K, and I can't say the word because my dog's in the room. And whenever I say that word, she just looks at me until we go outside. So, um, but that makes a lot of I sense. I thought you were going to say work. <laughs> <laughs> no. four-letter word, W-A-L-K. Speaking of work, um, that feeds in kind of into my next question. You talked about people spending a, a lot of money, you know, um, crypto art as it's gaining popularity. You know, um, there's people like with Beeple and there there is an artist, uh, actually an art fan in Singapore. His name is Vignesh Sundarisan. He's living in Little India, part of Singapore. He paid $69 million for an art piece entitled The First 5,000 Days. Are, are we just um, conducting crowdfunding? Is this, is this another way of crowdfunding in the art world for for crypto assets, um, how do you see that? Well, I think in the, uh, a lot's been written about that particular sale, and I understand rightly or wrongly, but there there is this method behind the madness in that purchase because Justin's son from Tron was going to buy it, and his um, bid didn't get through, and uh, which he thought it should have gone through. So I think there could be a method behind that. You know, so you buy something to throw a spotlight on something else, which would make the the investment in that 600 million not such a crazy purchase because it, you're going to use it for another purpose if you like so it's um yeah so that's an extreme case but a lot of ordinary artists are earning good money but you know some people who are putting up and they're earning a couple of ETH for their artwork which is not bad i wouldn't mind to be able to do that that would be very nice um you know because obviously it's about well i don't know what price it is now is it 1200 1400 i don't look at it every day but that's 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 quite nice, and if you're an artist too as well, no one's going to galleries, no one's hanging your pictures up in in restaurants or buildings, you know. So I don't know. I I I, 
I think forget about the hype. The hype, people will always spend a lot of money on, on expensive things. And it's more, you know, what are ordinary folk doing with it? And I think that's more interesting. And um, yeah, and it's quite nice. I like the idea of being able to buy something, piece of art. And look at the, look at the crypto punks. I'm so jealous. They were all given away free in the start. <laughs> and I wish I had been there. I, I just, I came too late. I didn't, and everybody has one. I'm so jealous. I have this very ordinary avatar on my Twitter. I'm going, mm, I so want one of those, you know? I've got CryptoPunk Envy, I think it's called. Not enough to go and spend a lot of money on one, but yeah. What are the CryptoPunks? I don't oh, understand. It was, a, it was a program, it was a thing set up, and there was about, about 10,000 of them. They use an algorithm to produce slightly different variants. So they're all like little, little um, Lego-style uh, head and shoulders. And then people, they, they did a drop. So people on Ethereum got them for free, but then a lot of them have been selling them since, and some of them are selling for quite a lot of money. Um, so if you were there early, you got them for free, which I missed. And then I, don't know, I think they opened a thousand up to many thousands. But they're, just, they're, very, they're very distinctive. If you go onto your social media, you see all those heads. Um, and you go, oh, that's a CryptoPunk head. I wish I had one of those. Okay. But that, now, I, now I see there was, there was one that was, that was with a pipe, and that apparently that, that one went for a lot of money. Apparently. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been following it closely, but yes, I mean, it, it's it's a bit of a bit of a, a buzz, and I see it all over the place now. I'm going, wow, I'm I'm jealous. I don't have one. Dreadful jealousy is a bad emotion. Especially <laughs> <laughs> got well, any money. <laughs> well, you know, um, speaking of jealousy, <laughs> is and you said the word bubble earlier. You know, are we actually um, dry, working under a bubble? And if not. You know what would be driving the crypto market forward now um i've been heavily into decentralized finance and and architecture and infrastructures that's that's my mandate but i want to see mainstream adoption you know of crypto and how can we move you know the industry forward and the question is you know since this has an aesthetic appeal you know is our entities the, the 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 catalyst to do that well i'm i'm kind of off the belief personally that anything that raises the conversation about crypto blockchain into the rest of the world is a good thing even when it's a bad thing it's a good thing and i'm kind of glad that we've moved away from the dark web and ponzi schemes and to actually looking at things so even though it's a bubble bubbles are not inherently scammy you know, a, a bubble is something where something is perceived to have greater value, which may or may not last. And if you purchase it, it may or may not be valuable in the future. And that's from everything from art to houses to, you know, designer handbags. So there's not scammy per se. And that's a different as opposed to people who are actually going to go and sell you something that's worth nothing. It's worth something because someone wants to pay the value for it. So I am a, a big fan of the talking. Because actually, interesting, I read an article recently by another friend of mine, an online friend. And she was giving off yards about International Women's Day and saying, oh, it's like a big Valentine's Day and everyone's seeing how wonderful women are, whatever. And she's right and she's wrong. She, she, she wants to emphasize the fact that she wants to talk about the rights. It's actually International Women's Rights Day as opposed to saying, not saying how glorious the women are in our lives or how mothers are our sisters or our bosses, whatever. So it's, it's, it's the rights that are attached to it and the fact that women are not paid the same as men. So that, that is, that's cool. But I disagree with her. Because unless we have all this flim-flammy stuff, it's not going to be a conversation in the first place. So the same way, is it a bubble? Possibly. I don't know. I'm not a financial advisor. I can't say. And yes, it, some of the things do seem to be a little bit overexcited, excited, and the value seems to be a bit excessive. But it's anything, anything that brings this conversation into the mainstream is good because 
even though you can look back and say that was weird and i hope your man people saved his money and didn't go and spend it in wine women and song as um uh, georgie best did you know that famous line with georgie best the english irish irish uh, footballer but from belfast and you know the the uh hotel guy comes in the porter comes in and there he is he's covered in drugs and naked women and and he's he's at the height of his career his football career at manchester united and, and the, the hotel porter goes where did it all go wrong <laughs> and for someone else that might be going right i don't know so yeah so so it's a bit excitable at the moment but it, it, it's a conversation and i think if you, if you don't have the conversation it's like all these things mental health for example if you don't talk about mental health people you know and even weird stuff even people like Stephen Fry, who had his very public mental health breakdown, was it 10 years ago, maybe longer? It was a bad thing for him. It wasn't a great thing for the play, if you're going to the play, because the play was pulled off the theatre in, in the West End, whatever, in London. But it raised, it raised the topic, you know? So anything that raises the topic and brings it mainstream, I'm all for it. Me too. Me too. Right now, there's been talk mainly by me and some other people about, about the stock market in the US being you know, being not, not people investing, not based on fundamentals anymore, rather based on hype, you know, and all some people only have access to lottery tickets. And if we can have, if they can have access to an actual crypto asset, uh, you know, invest in something that, you know, has long-term investability, then that will be, you know, I think that'll be best for, um, you know, for them and for the economy. That is a very good point, actually, and a huge point, is that if you're rich, money flows to the rich, and it has increasingly done so this century. It's really, really bad how the income inequalities have grown and grown and grown. And uh, crypto assets in general offer an opportunity for people to invest if they so wish, not a financial advice. But it, it opens the door to people having a look at other things that they might. I mean, you might buy that little crypto punk image or you might buy something else for small money but be worth a lot of money you know and that that the the ability for people to invest in things which might become more valuable is not existent if you're unless you're super rich you the, you don't have an opportunity to do that you can't buy a, an apartment and you know i don't know this downtown manhattan whatever you just you don't have those opportunities you can't buy picasso so maybe you can and again i'm not suggesting that you know there's not financial advice but it is kind of kind of fun thing you could take a punt on money you can afford to lose on something that's fun and accessible. And you know what, maybe 10 years down the track or 10 months down the track, you could sell it again and make a profit on it. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, so I have one last question before I have one last question. Okay. Shifting gears. Can you tell me a little bit about your about your most recent book? Oh, to... you're so kind. Awesome. I wrote this because I write a lot of interviews. I love feature writing. Oh my God, I love being in this industry because I get to talk to all the really important people who are creating businesses and, and working in this space. And it's really fascinating. And it's an access you wouldn't ordinarily get because it's the nascent industry. Because if you're, if I wanted to, you know, recently I wanted to interview somebody who is very high profile in the traditional world. And he wrote a book about values. And I approached through the book, the book promotion. So it's a, it's a regular published book. They went, no, no, totally no. Whereas if I went to somebody who is, huge in this space i'll get access to them and I'm able, to, I'm able to interview them which is a great privilege for me which is so nice anyway there's about 40 people in here that i've interviewed including simon cocking and it's all about who they are because i like to understand who people are behind the projects because that makes them more interesting the project is a project is a project but who they are and why they do it is interesting so and the nice thing is this i launched this last year persons of interest 
uh, .io is the website, but I'm making it into an NFT on the near website, the near blockchain actually next month. And I'm also then, I've, I've got 42 illustrations, including one of Simon, he's gonna love this. <laughs> and um, I'm gonna make them into NFTs and launch them on wax at the end of next month. Awesome. So you've been waxed, you've been jilled. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's a book that I that I kind of go with and when I talk to when I talk to my guests and and you know it's by Simon Sinek it's called Start with oh. Why and you know we should start like with the, the questions I have and interviews I want to talk to people is as I want to find their why so we have that, that in common so it's good mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a copy of your book and check it out um, it's only so, ninety nine cents for the e version so it's, it's I'm democratizing access to important people <laughs> awesome awesome. <laughs> so how can people uh find more information about you contact you uh how can they do that linkedin is the best thing for me linkedin says so my name jillian Galtzler with a j and a g and it's just it's the easiest thing to, to find me and i pu publish a lot of my stuff i'm on twitter too as well but linkedin is and i, and I write for voice and block leaders and i write for itn i do obviously podcasts here too as well but linkedin is the best place to catch me i think Awesome. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for the conversation today. Um, thank you. Thank you indeed. That's been thank you for letting me talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for your listeners' ears, but thank you indeed. <laughs> <laughs>